0: Thank you. What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Reunion of Final Fantasy VII Remake podcast. I am your host, Kairosis, and joining me today is none other than my amazing co-host, Viz. Hello, Viz.
1: Greetings, everyone. (laughs) How are you doing? I'm quite fine today, actually. Had a little bit of time to play some more uh, Jedi Fallen Order. Mm-hmm. earlier today so I could uh, refresh recreate a little bit
0: that's awesome I have been really sick so I've just been focusing on <laughs> yeah I've just been focusing on getting better and um thank you so much for being so flexible with you know your schedule I know how busy you are doing your analysis videos and um all, all of your work you know that you're doing on your YouTube channel and then your live stream on your twitch and everything. So, um, thank you so much for that. And, uh, I haven't really been playing anything to be honest with you because I've been so busy with, with work and Shame. just, yeah, like just <laughs> yeah. repairing and kind of recouping. Cause I always get sick normally when it, when it gets, um, when the, wind, when, it the weather changes. Um, so I'm feeling a lot mm. better now. So, Yeah, we're just getting started here today. So on our podcast, we are going to be featuring our most uh, anticipated emotional moments um, in the Final Fantasy VII Remake uh, that we're looking forward to. And we'll be also discussing uh, a listener mail question that we had from somebody from the Final Fantasy VII Remake subreddit. They messaged me. And then we will finish off. We have some news and info about the game Um, that's basically the most recent information that's been released about the game. All right. So first, I just want to take a second just to say thank you so much to everybody who has subscribed to uh, the podcast on, you know, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And uh, obviously, we took a lot of time to make sure that we posted the podcast to all the podcast uh, mediums that are out there. We had a lot of requests from people That we post them to, you know, the different uh, podcast apps and websites and everything. So um, we really just wanted to make sure that the podcast is accessible to everybody um, in every medium possible so that you know, you guys can listen to it in any way possible. We did post it on YouTube as well. So if you guys want to head over to our YouTube channel, you can listen to it there. Um, I just wanted to take a second to say thank you so much to everybody that's listened and subscribed. And also thank you so much to everybody that's reached out and given us some positive feedback about the podcast. And, you know, both of us were extremely appreciative of everybody taking the time to actually listen and spread the word and actually reach out to us and share, you know, their thoughts about the podcast with us. So just want to say a huge thank you. And it just gives us more motivation to continue on, um, you know, into the future with the podcast and, uh, Yeah. So obviously, the first segment, like I talked about, is we're talking about our top emotional moments that we're looking forward to in the remake. Obviously, right now, we're just going to go ahead and say, you know, this is a huge uh, spoiler alert for everybody that if you did not play the original Final Fantasy VII game, then we're going to be going into a lot of uh, spoilery type of territory as we talk about the moments. So if you haven't played the game, we're just, you know, giving you your warning now. All right, so this was a list of moments that was actually suggested by uh, a Patreon um, subscriber from Cosmo Canyon Observatory, uh, Nanaki. So our number one uh, top emotional moment that we're looking forward to uh, in the remake is a Sector 7 Platefall, uh, as well as the death of Avalanche. And um, this is probably, it's one of the biggest moments for me. It, in the entire game, really, when we're actually looking at, we actually get, uh, it's our first glimpse into the repercussions, I guess, of all of the actions of Avalanche and the group, you know, as a whole, and how there is an impact to all of their actions and everything that's been happening up until this point. And then when the plate actually falls, for me, you know, it was a super, super emotional moment for me. And just seeing the gravity of their actions and seeing how it, you know, negatively impacted Midgar, I guess, as a whole. And, uh, also just seeing the demise of Avalanche and the death of, uh, Jesse Biggs and Wedge after you've spent so long with them in the game and developing that relationship, you know, with them. Uh, and we talked about in the last episode how we're really looking forward to how Kataze, um, is going to extend the stories, I guess, about av- the members of Avalanche and seeing, you know, um, giving more history about the characters and more time to kind of develop the relationships with the main cast. And I'm just thinking that this moment and then in the remake is just going to be so huge. It's for me, I think, I think that it's going to have more of an impact than the it did in the original because we're going to have even more time with those characters. Um, what are your thoughts on this, uh, Viz?
1: Uh, Generally, it's practically the same content at the same thoughts I had as you just mentioned here. But the most important thing is it's so pertinent to Barrett's story because Barrett is, uh, as we've already, as those who know, who um, follow the news, Barrett's description on the website also says that he has been um, ex expunged or mm-hmm. ex uh, communicated so to speak for uh, from the old avalanche old guard because of his extreme actions or extreme views right. and he just kind of doesn't doesn't seem to to see what uh big picture so to speak he just sees Shindra bad we need to stop him we need to save the planet no matter the cost mm-hmm. he, he even says that in a uh, in a cutscene we saw in the trailer and this is uh, real heavy foreshadowing for this, uh, right. this scene here because of the, the sacrifices he talks about. And I think it's a real wake-up call for, for Barrett when the plate finally falls and Jesse Bix and Wedge are no more. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm really looking forward to that, uh, to see Barrett's reaction. And if it's. I think it would be even more gut-wrenching than in the original. It we'll was also pretty heavy then. It really it broke down just completely. But he uh, recovered pretty fast, I think. So maybe we need a, bit, a little bit more more time with this. I think we already seen glimpses of that in the trailers. And yeah, that's... that's especially in terms of the first game of the remake. It's uh, yeah, probably the the most, the closest one. We should be looking forward to and will have a huge impact in the remake, especially because we already got practically more exposure to, El- to the Avalanche members, Jesse and Wedge, mm-hmm. in the trailers than in the original game, probably. And in the remake itself, it will be much, much more, and we'll hope, hopefully get to love them and would be even more devastating when they meet their maker.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: I totally agree with what you said about Barrett's backstory. And also, he does mention this multiple times, um, up until the point where this happens. So it's kind of like you said, foreshadowing about what's actually ultimately going to happen. So it's kind of preparing us, the player, for that inevitable moment, I think throughout the game exactly. until that point. You know what I'm saying? Like he says that multiple mm-hmm. times, you know, this, there's going to be sacrifice. We have to make sacrifice for the greater good kind of. So with their deaths, you know, of Avalanche, it does, it's it's for the greater good and so that they can eventually save the planet. So, it, but it is very emotional in that moment. I remember playing in it. I just remember being kind of awestruck. Like I couldn't believe that this actually happened, you know what I'm saying? And the deaths to hit me really hard when I was younger and I played through this game. So really looking forward to that moment, um, experiencing it again. And I'm sure that, you know, I'm going to be emotional just like everybody else that's going to be playing the game.
1: Mm-hmm. And on top of that, there's not just Jesse Beaks and Wedge, but also the, the thousands of people mm-hmm. on the plate and below in the slums. Exactly. And exactly. In the remake, we, they also told us that we'll get to see and experience the uh, the NPCs and the life in Midgar much more, mm-hmm. and I th- I hope we'll get a bigger or a more strong a stronger connection to all those NPCs, those those uh, inhabitants of Midgar, mm-hmm. when Plate Falls, even just the the faceless the faceless ones, so to speak, uh, or the those we don't really know much the story of. It will probably also be pretty hard hitting.
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that that was what I was thinking about as well. Um, you know, at the <clears throat> beginning when we talked about the plate falling and all the innocent people that mm-hmm. lose their lives um at the same time. And I think like I said, the group, it's like, you know, Baird's been preparing them the whole time for what's going to happen. Um, but I don't think that they were actually seriously prepared for it
1: did you get that
0: yeah I I just felt like they weren't and then at the end of the trailer when we got the most recent trailer and then it shows that moment you can see the look on their faces and it's kind of like they it's real like it actually happened and it kind of hits home then you can see in Cloud's eyes um I don't know about you but I that's how I felt when I saw um that scene at the end of the trailer and then you see just like the it's all destroyed right So, moving on with number two. So, number two is uh, Dine's death, and I guess Dine's suicide. Um, So, Dine being um, Barrett's best friend, uh, we are shown a scene where, um, you know, Corral is burned to the ground, and Dine is holding on to Dear for dear life um, on a cliff edge, and his arm gets shot. And then he falls to his death. And the whole time Barrett, you know, is thinking that Dine is dead. So he's taking, taken in Marlene and he's taking care of Marlene and he's raising her as his own. And then we do go back again and we end up finding out that Dine's actually alive and he survived. And, um, but over the years, he's just kind of lost his mind and he's just, enraged like he just wants to destroy Shinra he wants to destroy everything basically including Marlene and that's um told to us because his wife has passed away as well so I think his thinking is he just wants to basically for everybody to die and then him and Marlene and his wife could be together um in the afterlife I guess
1: Exactly. Yeah. Uh,
0: um, he does end up committing suicide over the e- over the edge um, because he feels like his hands are too dirty to hold mm-hmm. Marlene.
1: Um, this is also uh, another hard, hard scene or hard mm-hmm. time for Barrett mm-hmm. because it al- already starts when we go back to North Corral, his right. old, old hometown. Everybody hates him mm-hmm. because he was one of those inviting Shinra to build the reactor, and then uh, which resulted in the burning of the village to the exactly. ground. Exactly. Then we go to the gold saucer. People die. Someone with a with an arm gun gun on his arm, and yeah, first think it's Barrett, but it's not. it's not. yeah. And then it all goes down down there in the prison. And it's it's really hard for Barrett at all this time because all this, those old memories and what happened there come up again. That mm-hmm. he has to fight his best friend from from back there because. As you said, he just lost his mind completely. What's to destroy everything? Even more, Marlene. Right. Barrett can't have that.
0: Well, the entire time he's probably Diane's probably thinking that Marlene is dead.
1: Yeah. he does. Yeah.
0: You know, was pretty
1: awestruck that uh, Marlene's still alive when Barrett told him.
0: But that wasn't even enough to keep him around. Like he was just so far gone after everything. Exactly. Yeah. And. it's very emotional moment for me um, just seeing barrett as well who's kind of this he's been this super strong and he's been solid throughout the story um and he's been super the one serious mostly exactly yeah. serious and just like the voice of reason and pushing the group forward and and then we kind of we see him fall to his knees and he's you don't see his face Um, So we don't know if he's actually crying, but I interpret it as he was so upset and he's crying and he lets out a huge scream, right? Because he's so upset and so frustrated, I think as well with everything that has happened to everybody around him because of Shinra and he's just so done with everything. So that's a huge moment for me as well. I'm looking forward to seeing how they're going to portray that. um, in Yeah,
1: especially it's, it's, It's also pretty hard for Barrett because he wanted to save Dine and bring him and Marlene back together Mm -hmm. no matter how dirty his hands are. Exactly. Dine just can't. Dine just can't uh, deal with this, I I think. So He just jumps off and does away with the life. But before he does that, he also gives uh, Barrett the pendant. I think it was Eleanor's, his wife Mm -hmm. back then, I think. Marlene's um, mother, mm-hmm. which he gives to Barrett to then give to Marlene later on, and also what's what's also hit pretty hard for me is that um, Barrett also says, "Well, what's he supposed to do? He has also very dirty hands. He also can't exactly touch Marlene, so so to speak, just like like Dine, but Dine uh, just gave up, and Barrett has to move on. Mm-hmm. So quite a strength that Barrett uh, puts on his blade there. No matter how uh, how much crap that's going on, how much dirt he has on his hands, he must keep going for Marlene. That's really strong message. So, so I think yeah.
2: Mm-hmm,
0: exactly. Okay. So moving on to number three. So it's it's Seto's reveal, and obviously we meet. Uh, Nanaki in the story and Bugenhagen is kind of describing the backstory uh, once we reach Cosmo Canyon and we first see Red Thirteen in Hojo's lab. He's being held prisoner by Shinra. The entire time Nanaki thinks that his father is a traitor and a coward for fleeing the canyon when it was being invaded during the war. But it's revealed that um, actually the truth about it, about uh, his father Seto was that in fact he, he was hit by a, an arrow during the war and he was trying to protect um, the canyon and he, when he was hit by the arrow he actually turned to stone so he sacrificed himself to save the people and it's revealed to Nanaki in the story after so long he's had this resentment and hatred toward his father and then it's revealed that in actuality he did it to protect everybody it's a really emotional moment and it's i think extremely yeah for me i think it was uh, one of the most emotional for me i think there's many but just kind of the the impact there because you're going through the story and you're thinking that this is what's actually happened and you're like yeah because you kind of you kind of back Nanaki, you know, like you feel for him, you know, and then it's revealed that he actually didn't just leave him. It's really
1: sad. Hat- <laughs> the hatred was for nothing. So Exactly,
0: speak. the entire time, the entire time, yeah. exactly. And for me as a kid and just knowing that, and just like we said before in the first episode, we talked a lot about how we both love this story because a lot of these story elements are like, they're very hard to kind of digest, especially at the time when the game came out and they're very, um, hit home for a lot of people because we're all flawed. And so we're the characters in the story. So I'm sure a lot of people exactly. can relate to this story and just seeing this mm. for me, it was hugely emotional. And then it shows, you know, he, he sheds a tear and the tear falls down at that moment i was like done yeah same <laughs> but during the game when but, i was playing it it was really sad for me the
1: first time i played i don't think i'd felt that much but every time i replay or every time i watch someone's playthrough i tear up at that moment mm-hmm. it's even like like talking about it right now and that remembering everything it's mm-hmm. just same here <laughs> get watery eyes because it's it's so personal hmm for so long, he thought he was a traitor, mm-hmm. a coward. And then it turns out, no, he was the one that protected Cosmo Canyon for the G, from the G-Tribe by by taking arrow after arrow after mm-hmm. arrow and fighting him back and then just turned to stone and uh, protecting Cosmo Canyon until this day. So. Mm-hmm,
0: exactly, and, like he's still there. And then yeah. the tear thing for me too was kind of mm-hmm. that... It's the connection. But then I thought, is he still alive, but he's just frozen? Because how could he shed a tear unless it was figuratively just like added in because it wanted to show the emotion of that moment? I don't know. I for a split second, I thought that he was still alive, but they couldn't find a way to kind of dispel the stone. So he's still there, and he knows he's conscious Possibly, about yeah. what's going on. I'm not saying that's what actually happened. Who knows? Like if that's real or not. But that's just for me, like as a person.
1: Yeah. One interpretation interpretation could be that he uh, is semi conscious, maybe sleeps mm-hmm. usually, but the the, the closeness of uh, Nanaki kind of woken up something in him, and wasn't. I, I don't know. I think the, the tears. Are falling before nanaki starts howling i think that's yep Mm -hmm. yeah. maybe maybe it's just the the connection there Mm -hmm. that maybe made just the the, the remnants of his consciousness awake again Mm -hmm. so that that he could shed a few tears showing nanaki hey i'm still here and i'm i love you Mm -hmm. (laughs) myself exactly
0: and then he's like howling that was Mm -hmm. so sad
1: it is yeah oh it's happening again (laughs) (laughs) some someone's cutting onions nearby
0: (laughs) so um moving on to number four which is a huge one and obviously it's it's the most evident one it's Aerith's death and you know playing the game um up until this point you're fighting and you've been chasing down Aerith for so long. And then you finally find her and cloud in that moment has one of his episodes again, where he's actually, you can tell like he's fighting within himself and then the screen goes red, which Uh was their way to portray that he was having this episode. Um, and then yeah, it shows Sephiroth him. took over again. Exactly, exactly. So he raises his sword like he's going to kill her. And she's praying. Like, she's on her knees. You know, so I am i don't even know if she even knows that he's there. At I think she does. When he walks in. I can't remember. Probably. But she's not looking at him. But he's right. got his sword up. And then finally he kind, kind of t- gets a grip on himself and then puts his sword down. And she's, at this point, like you said, she knows that he's there. And uh, and then Sephiroth just leaps down from nowhere. Like, you have no idea that he's even there. And then stabs her in the back. And then the material falls from her. It kind of looks like it falls from her hair.
1: Yeah, I th- that's that's a debate I had with a couple of people. Because in the remake, we don't see it in her uh, ribbon back in uh, oh. her head. Okay. And in the original, we also don't see it, but we do, do see something material-like when she has her dress in the wall market se- sequence. Okay. Um. And I think myself and a few other people think that the material is just um, kind of hidden underneath the ribbon itself. Okay. Like between ribbon and and hair, maybe, and that's that's when uh, the ribbon loses. Loses up and the material falls out. I, I see. I should I should rewatch a few a few scenes if we see it in other CGI scenes. I'm not sure. But yeah, it's most likely just wrapped within the ribbon itself mm-hmm. to not fall off.
0: Well, I just remember yeah. you you couldn't even see it in the OG version of the game, right? Not it really. just kind of Mostly just appears. I just remember being a little bit confused, but then I, then I thought, well, I guess the material was in her hair the whole time or in like, I, I got that message. Like it was either there or in her, the ribbon, right? Like the bow. Mm. And then I guess Cloud's reaction is that, you know, he's sad, he's confused, he's angry and he's trying to interpret what just happened because everything happened so fast And then right at the end, you're launched into a boss battle and there's no time to grieve. There's no moment where you can just kind of take a second and just for you as the player, you're just launched into this boss battle and through the boss battle, Eris theme is playing the entire boss battle.
1: Mm. And this Eris theme just keeps playing. It it, it doesn't switch to to Genova theme. Exactly. That's also very, very strong
0: until the battle's over and then you see the party's reaction to what just happened because each of them come up to the platform where it happened and then they each react to it differently like barrett puts his arm on cloud's shoulder and kind of pats him a little bit and then walks away and then
1: certain character uh, reactions are very heart hitting i i think it's uh, if I remember correctly, it's Tifa and Yuffie mm-hmm. that both kind of break down, and Yuffie just runs she away does, dry. Yeah, mm.
0: it'll be interesting to see how they portray this one.
1: Mm. What well, I think that's uh, probably the most the, the most uh, gripping, or how do you how do they call it, the most mm-hmm. heavy part about this is that. They go after Aerith, find her, finally want to uh, save her from Sephiroth exactly. because he also appeared in this sort of fall dream he had with Aerith. Mm-hmm. They finally are there, want to make sure she, she's okay. And Sephiroth wants to make Cloud do it, but Cloud fortunately uh, snaps out of it because all the uh, his um, retinue, the party members, Snap him out of it with uh, just shouting at him, Cloud. What are you doing? Right. When if if he was alone there, I think he would have done it.
2: Absolutely. So that's, that's
1: also why party members are extremely important in that scene. Mm-hmm. Also before uh, when when he's uh, hitting Aerith at the Temple of the Ancients, also one of the party members has to step in and right. knock him out. It's also it's also the same, just without the sword. Yeah. And yeah. I rewatched that and scene. Because... He's
0: like, it sh- looks like he's slapping her. Well, he's attacking her, but it doesn't show because he doesn't have hands N- like he does. Yeah. But it's so, it's polygonal shapes, right? So you can't see, but it the sound yeah. effect is kind of like he's kind of beating her, but.
1: Or beating the ground or Beating whatever. the ground it's, it's around her. Yeah. So.
0: It'll be so. interesting to see.
1: Yeah, and yeah, Zephiroth wasn't uh, successful, and then just said, "Well, screw it, I'm doing it myself."
0: <laughs> exactly.
1: Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm. I'm really, really kind of morbidly excited about this scene in mm-hmm. the remake, especially because the, are they doing it or performing it the same, setting it up the same, one to one, or are they trying to kind of play with us, uh, play with our feelings a little bit? And no, it's it's really exciting times.
0: Also, in the game, people played her character like she wasn't going to die because people didn't know. So then they leveled her up and worked with, like, had her in the party and leveled her up and got her final limit break and everything. And then this happens. So it was devastating to a lot of people playing the original game that didn't know this was going to happen or they just coincidentally had her as one of the main party members so with the remake we know they're going to be extending the story and adding more to it and i just feel like it's going to be even more impactful because people are gonna you're gonna have more spend more time with her
1: definitely yeah
0: you know unless i'm not sure They might play with our emotions, like you said, a little bit. They might do different things. I'm
1: pretty pretty sure uh, (laughs) they support our expectations.
0: And we kind of going in, we know that this is gonna happen Mm -hmm. because we played the original, unless you're playing the remake and you didn't play the original, everybody's gonna know that inevitably Mm -hmm. what's going to happen. But then people were speculating online, like they were gonna change it, like she wasn't going to die or something. And I'm like, that's a major plot point. Like, I don't see them. No, changing I'm, the I'm entire sure game.
1: The hmm. I'm pretty sure it happens at the same point in time, just maybe a little bit different. The, this, this, the sequence of events might happen a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. But in the overall chain of events, like the main beats are most likely exactly the same. And it, on top of that, it also depends a little bit where they split the uh, subsequent installments. Mm-hmm. In the first one, of course, we have we have her all the time, the whole game. Exactly. Nothing happens. And then if they really manage to cram whole calm to Northern Crater into one game, then it's kind of the same effect as in the original game where we have her for most of the time, most of the, most of the game, maybe two-thirds. And then she dies. And then we have just have to deal with the loss. Mm-hmm. And if we yeah, maybe they even opt for four parts. I'm not sure, but it could happen. And then the my prediction is they uh, cut it at Nibelheim. And from Nibelheim to where she dies, it's not that much of, of a stretch anymore. It's uh, much less content uh, in between. And then it's... Yeah, maybe, maybe even it feels much different because it's in a new game. Of course, we had her two games before. Mm -hmm. But then uh, it's it's hard to say how it will turn out and how it will feel.
0: That's going to be really difficult. I think we just have to wait and see. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. I think that's going to be really difficult for them.
1: Mm, Exactly, yeah.
0: All right, so moving on, number five, we have Sephiroth's North Crater Deception of Cloud's Past and Giving the Black Materia. So, what are your thoughts on this?
1: Alright, this is uh, probably one of the bigger bigger reveals. Mm-hmm. But not... It's a strange reveal, because it's a reveal and it's not at the same time. The most interesting thing I, I find about this the scene is that Sephiroth reveals the truth. That Cloud wasn't actually the soldier first class mm-hmm. back then, when the Nibelheim accident happens. It is the truth. But it's suggested to the player that Sephiroth is just playing with them, saying that all of the, those things, just to s- screw with Cloud's mind, make him break down and to make him uh, give him the black materia again. But if you watch out for Tifa's reactions, you know that mm-hmm. something is off. She knows, of course, that Zack was there, that Cloud wasn't there before. But she, uh, she uh, keeps assuring him, hey, Cloud, don't listen, it's it's going to be okay. So it's uh, kind of a Hidden reveal because the the player isn't supposed to believe Sephiroth back uh, at the time. And yeah, that's it's still pretty hard hitting because we really start to doubt ourselves. We, we start to doubt Cloud. We start to doubt Cloud's identity. Exactly. And Sephiroth also, that's, the, that's also the lie that he builds on top of the truth. The Cloud is a Sephiroth clone, that he isn't his own person. This is, of course, a lie. So it's a mixture. It's completely screwing with uh, with cloud, and later, it's then very easy to get cloud to submit and give him just give him the black material because it's he has so much doubts and he doesn't really know what he uh, what he is mm-hmm. he, he is anymore. And he also says I think something like his hatred for 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 Sephiroth and. He he uh, rem- remembering about the, the the bad deeds he did he did and the, the horrible horrible uh, things he did in Nibelheim it, It's everything that drove him to this point. Just kept going after Sephiroth and he kind of sealed his own fate with his hatred towards Sephroth And yeah, it's it's one we it's it, a huge Cloud one. Cloud loses himself, and also we lose Cloud. We do we don't we don't really know what's going to happen where is he is he coming back is uh, is he still alive what happens and it's <laughs> it's quite hard and i also predict that that's when they will end either part 2 or part 3 of this okay. whole uh, remake remake epic yeah and it's going to be a real cliffhanger a real real heavy ending <laughs>
0: Yeah, like you said um, about Cloud, it's revealed, you know, that he's an unreliable narrator because he exactly yeah. he, what we're being told as an audience is not actually what happens, and then it's revealed gradually throughout the story, like you said, and then you're seeing the truth about his past. Yes. But Sephiroth is toying with him, kind of trying to break him down. Mary? Um, over time, just kind of destroy his mind, mm. I guess.
1: Just chip away, chip away, chip mm-hmm. away until that... Exactly.
0: Us- and this yeah. is one of the moments yeah. where it's kind of like he he does succeed. Sephiroth succeeds, yeah. you know, in that exactly, moment yeah. because he's gives yeah. him the black materia because he's so broken as a person. And I just remember yes. playing through this... As a kid, I, I was really confused about what was yeah, going on in the story because <laughs> I was assuming that everything that was being told to me up until that point was the truth. And then they were mm-hmm. kind of giving you these backstory elements that were, at the time, it was really complex and it was hard for me to follow. And then after mm-hmm, I finished same. the game, I did a lot of research like later as I when I was older online to mm-hmm. kind of really understand exactly what happened. And I'm sure it didn't help with the translation issues. and
1: <laughs> <It's> <laughs> true, yeah. Everything. I mean, all the, that's, this clone talk and stuff. Yeah.
0: Exactly, exactly. Because we're thinking it's clones, but we don't really know. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah, it's not clones. It's, I think they're just experiments. Experiments, at the end of the exactly. Day. Exactly. It's used with uh, yes. Genova cells to test reunion theory for yeah. Hojo exactly and it's not so much a clone as more like a uh, it's hard hard to say it's kind of a clone but not a clone from from the ground up it's kind of just trying to turn those people into Zephiroth whatever you call it I don't know <laughs> <laughs> yeah something that's yeah it's just I think all those people are just play things for Hojo to test things out, just uh, because he's curious about whatever scientific stuff. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, he became obsessed,
1: yeah. especially I think yeah.
0: with the experiments and just kind of like Frankenstein story. You know what yeah. I mean?
1: Just kind of yeah, that's true, <laughs>
0: experimenting yeah. with humans and
1: yeah, and Club is also part of that. Exactly. This is also exactly well. Where- this, I think, yeah, that's what I, what I, um, what I forgot to mention. Uh, Cloud was so forgotten that he thought he was also a clone or something like that, and wanted to, to get, uh, Hojo to give him a clone. And Hojo remembers that he was also an experiment, mm-hmm. didn't really know or remember him exactly. And, well, he didn't turn into one of those cloaked figures, right. so he must have been a failure. So. You don't even, I think he said, you don't even earn a number, you're a failure. That's another contributing factor that pushes Cloud over the edge. Mm-hmm. He's not even good enough to be a number. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very hard. And also, he, he doesn't hear the other party members anymore. He's just completely shut off.
0: Yeah.
1: It must be extremely hard for Tifa as well. I think she also breaks down a little there. Mm-hmm that scene near uh, northern crater and that also ex- uh, leads quite smoothly into our next point it's when the, the actual real reveal happens
2: mm-hmm.
1: in uh, that's in medieval when when uh, livestream erupts and cloud and tifa fall into it yeah and then tifa explores the cloud's subconscious and helps him to piece together everything and in the end it it turns out that cloud actually wasn't there. He was lying about being soldier first class. It was Zack, or we didn't know at the time it was Mm Zack. especially we only see uh, a dude with black hair but it was someone else and Cloud was there after all this time he was there. He didn't actually lie he practically knew everything that was happening there just from the wrong point of view so he was there all the time he was uh, he was with the the soldier, not soldier, the uh, the uh, infantryman mm-hmm. that uh, got sick in this in a car, motion sickness. He was there to keep Tifa out of the reactor. He was there all along, and also uh, looked after Tifa when she was in a pinch, as in being slain by Sephiroth, and then um, he was actually the one who offed Sephiroth. Mm-hmm. Stabbed him, surprised him, got stabbed in return, but was uh, strong enough, or did somehow uh, conjure up a limit a limit break to then throw Sephiroth over the edge into the live stream. So it's uh, it's a really really strong reveal in my opinion because there's all this build up, there's the, the wrong or the unreliable narrator we learned that he was lying and we thought he wasn't there he is just a clone he is nobody and then we learned he actually was there he isn't a clone he is somebody he is his own person but it's it's just a switched switched perspective yeah. and we also learned that uh now now that's that's even another another scene that's uh also our seventh point if i may just
0: uh absolutely uh,
1: go a little bit yeah a little bit ahead with this. Oh, all those 3.5, 6, and 7 tie in together. Uh, unfortunately, it's a um, optional scene. And it happens after Cloud regained his uh, real self back. You can go back to the Nibelheim Mansion in the basement and check out the uh, the tubes there, the test tubes.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then an optional scene occurs where we actually learn what happened. We learn that second Cloud. Uh, were captured by Shinra and put in there to experiment on for, I think around f- four years was it, four or something odd years. And then they managed to escape and Zack put him, put Cloud into his, in, into his uh, soldier first class uniform that he's wearing during the game. They, f- they fled, they uh, hitchhiked on a pickup truck back to Midgar. Zack wanted to become a mercenary, or at least that's what he, he thinks of, becoming a mercenary to just get by, get some gil and stuff, and doing what he does best, fighting things. Cloud was all the time just, I don't know, I don't know how you call it, just in a, in a delirium or something mm-hmm. like that. He had Marco poisoning, wasn't, yes. wasn't himself, his true uh, self was buried beneath all of this buried beneath the trauma and probably his uh, subconsciousness uh, like a sponge took in all of the things um, and ideas Zack told about. Uh, told him mm-hmm. becoming mercenary, being a soldier first class and something that Cloud wanted to be all along. He wanted to, exactly. to be like Sephiroth, wanted to be a soldier first class. Mm-hmm. And then later when uh, Shinra cat. Uh, catch up to them. They kind of... uh, Well, this is a little bit uh, crossover with uh, the compilation, but I don't really want to touch on that too much. Mm -hmm. It's implicated that they fight, but Zack wasn't able to fight off all of the Shinra troops, so he got gunned down while looking after Cloud. And, And then... Just died or was murdered in front of clouds eyes. Mm -hmm. That's uh, I think that's when clouds clouds um, Mind broke completely I I think he kind of still had this uh, This sliver of consciousness in in there like yes, I'm cloud. Yes, uh, this is my friend Zach Mm -hmm. and I want to become a soldier but nothing nothing more and then Kind of his dream died. A soldier first class, his best friend died, and he had to kind of uh, take up the, um, the the stick, so to speak, or or uh, um, how to call it, the boss of sword, mm-hmm. like Zack's legacy. Had to pick it up and become Zack, since he he kind of lost it because of all the marker poisoning, because of the trauma he had to hold on to something and all he could hold on was the Buster Sword, uh, the Tifa, his wish to become Soldier First Class, and the memory of Zack. Mm-hmm. I think that was the only thing and that's how he created his new persona with a little bit of help from the Genova Cells probably, <laughs> because Genova Cells or Genova itself is known, known for manipulation, manipulation mm-hmm. and manipulation of thoughts and Memories a little bit and mixture of everything made the false cloud persona soldier first class. We have seen maybe uh, three fourths of the game. Yeah, and it's, it's kind it kind of goes full circle. I
2: mm-hmm. think
1: with the false cloud, the unreliable unreli- narrator. The um, the half truth by Sephiroth, mm-hmm. breakdown of Cloud, finding his finding out the truth, and then finding out how he even got there in the first place. Right. So it's it's kind of a circle, and I really love that. And I hope they are able to capture this, the essence of this in the remake as mm-hmm. well. And I think it's not that easy because it now spans over multiple games. So. Exactly. Let's see how they do.
0: Exactly. When I was a kid playing through this game, trying to understand all of these story elements, it was really difficult um, to kind of follow every single detail. But I'm thinking now, I think it'll be a lot easier because of the upgrade in technology and what they're able to actually do with the cutscenes and everything. And I'm just kind of picturing it in my mind as you were talking about Mm -hmm. everything that, you know, in my mind, just how it would look in you know with today's graphics and just the the music and everything i think that it's going to be incredible
1: oh yeah this is going to be epic
0: (laughs) and for me you know you're talking about cloud like i said he's a flawed character but i i remember that like you know, playing through it, that he felt like he was a failure because, or he wasn't good enough, though. Like, he felt like he wasn't good enough because he f- realized that, I guess, that his memories and everything were Zach's. Mm.
1: Well, a mixture. A mixture, Case yeah. Zach's yes,
0: combined. but he couldn't differentiate the two. But then he comes to terms with that and he is like, I'm going to do this and this is me and this is what I'm meant to do, which is amazing. You know what I mean? And I have to kind of avenge Zach and, but yeah, I just remember feeling um, really sorry for cloud. All right. So moving on to number eight, we've got Elmira's backstory. Um, Meeting Aerith and um, Elmira's husband, dying. So obviously there's a flashback scene um, meeting Ifalna, which is Aerith's mother, and Aerith herself is at the Sector 7 train station. Um, so they escape Shinra's captivity, and Ifalna's um, dying wish is for Elmira to raise and take care of Aerith, which she ends up doing. And then waiting at the train station with everybody, uh, there's a scene, there, a flashback scene that they're waiting at the tra- train station and all the soldiers are returning. And each one is stepping out of the train, you know, one by one. And we see the families are happy and excited to see their loved ones again, and some are emotional. And and Amira goes up to the attendant and they don't exchange any words, but just that, you know, they um they shake their heads and then uh he goes back, the train attendant goes back in the train and then leaves and um for me it was very emotional because you know in that moment exactly what happened um to you know Elmira's husband and just it's kind of like those traditional war style movies, you know, like at the end of the war everybody goes and they want to see their loved one step off the boat mm. or step off the train. You know, and at the beginning, when they're leaving, they're all, like, hanging out the window, like, waving, like, bye, and they're all smiling and everything. And then when it's over, they go, and they don't step off the train. It's just really um, a really emotional moment. And then we get later, Aerith tells Elmira about her deceased um, husband, that she heard him speaking to her. And Elmira doesn't believe her. But shortly after, Elmira receives a letter confirming uh, Aerith's prediction. So yeah, the Sector 7 train station, its it seems to be filled with a lot of trage- tragedy sorry, for Elmira. So what are your thoughts on that?
1: All right, well, this is also quite a uh, tough one, and also one we will see in the next game that's coming out in March. Um, and what I just thought about it, uh, I think the war they're talking about is the war against Wutai, and Mm -hmm. they already um, made comments and especially President Shinra that Wutai will be much more involved and I think they will very much elaborate on this this backstory here of uh, Elmira. And Aerith and Ifalna, maybe not as much Ifalna as more uh, Elmira Elmira herself. Mm -hmm. Um, That's... It's hard to say how and in which manner, but I think this is especially because it's uh it's happened it's, it will happen so shortly after the plate fall, which is a very, pra- practically the lowest point uh, for the Midgar arc. Mm-hmm. Also follows another quite somber and low point here for uh, Aerith's uh, backstory and also Barrett, because I think they 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 talk about this before um, Barrett knows that his daughter or fo- uh, foster daughter so to speak uh, how she called um Marlene
2: mm-hmm.
1: and Marlene is there and it's uh probably also uh, quite hard for Barrett to listen to this maybe. I don't quite remember the scene in the original, but yeah, it's it's not not easy for Barrett, especially because Elmira also scolds him for being a bad father. Right. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's. Uh, I think it's uh, backstory is also very very tragic one, mm-hmm. as you've been laying out just before. Uh, I think it, there. are her life was pretty good before her husband had to go to the war right. and they didn't have any children so she didn't have anyone uh, keeping her company right so Aerith Aerith really is is the uh, the light in her life and her being taken away by Shinra is mm-hmm. also pretty hard I it's assume
0: just yeah exactly it destroys her
1: hmm really does and that that's why I think it's it's is practically the best thing in her that could happen to her that uh Barrett leaves Marlene at Elmira's house, so she at least has someone to keep her company because Erith won't be coming back mm-hmm. and losing losing a daughter, even if if it's not her own flesh and blood is is already hard enough, but uh having. The possibility or the the opportunity to t- to take care of someone else is probably probably solace enough. Oh man, so many points that hit home exactly. for many people. I I presume <laughs> it's, it's so so personal and so real. So many problems and so many stories are real stories.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it's, it's it's. I think it's a good good choice that they. they um, Managed to uh, green light this project here. I'm so excited. Same.
0: I think that that's what makes the game so incredible. Like we said earlier, just all of these story elements and the storylines for all the characters, and they're so fleshed out, and you're so, they're so relatable. And mm. I'm just really excited to see how they're able to portray. All of these moments that we talked about uh, in the remake. So, and I just can't wait to experience them in HD. You know what I mean? And just to get different angles of the scenes and seeing their faces. Because, especially the faces. Back back in 1997, replaying the game, it's just like a top down. I mean, they do show their faces in some aspects, and some yeah, scenes. Yeah, but they don't
1: have any expression. they don't have any expression, exactly. Yeah.
0: And it's just the text. So you're trying to get... You get the emotion through the music, I think.
1: And the animation. And the animation. animation. Their animations are very spot on at, at times. Mm-hmm.
0: And through the text and the story and...
1: It's well-crafted, the original. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it still managed to bring bring across the points and the emotions, but I think in the remake, they'll be at least twice uh, twice as pronounced.
0: Yeah, I agree, totally. As much as it sounds weird or whatever, I'm just excited to re-experience to re- these moments again, even though they are heartbreaking and they're so mm-hmm. emotional. Um, yeah, same. All right, guys, so we're going to take a quick break and when we come back, we'll be chatting about Final Fantasy VII Remake news and info. And we'll be doing a little bit of speculating um, about a question that we had one of our listeners wrote into to us. So all that and more after this. everyone and welcome back to episode 2 of the reunion of Final Fantasy 7 Remake Podcast. I am your host Kairosis and I have my co-host Viz here again with me today. This is a second segment of the podcast. We have a listener mail segment. One of the uh, subreddit users from the Final Fantasy 7 Remake page uh, sent me a- an email question. Um, and the question is, people have been speculating about what the open world aspect will be like Final Fantasy 7 Remake Part 2 and forward. And I would like to hear your thoughts on that. It's super early to kind of predict something, but some speculations and wishful thinking on that topic would be great to hear. Also, they say, how scary would it be to ride the submarine underwater in later parts of the remake series? So that question is from Robin Yuffie from the Final Fantasy VII Remake subreddit.
1: All right. Should I start or or do you want to?
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's totally up to you. I know that you've been doing a lot of analysis videos based on the trailers and you talked a lot about this. So obviously you have a lot of information to give for this. So you can go ahead.
1: All right. So about the open world. I think I already did some speculation in my very first game talk episode, of which there are also there only is one. Unfortunately, I need to really get on with that. <laughs> anyway, um, I think it was quite early when they were talking about the the episodic or multi part aspect of the remake that mm-hmm. each one of them will be its own unique experience, and this got me thinking. Um, my prediction is Midgar, then the travel to Northern Crater, and then uh, the whole uh, averting meteor part. So with right. that in mind, the first one is Midgar. That's uh, a city which probably marries uh, linearity with hub areas, I'm, I presume. I don't think it's uh, mm-hmm. something like GTA, open world, but we're probably able to roam around in the, uh, in the sectors as we please. But it will probably also be quite a linear experience. Then we go outside outside into the world to Calm, to Chocobo Farm, Junon, what have you. Mm -hmm. And in the original game, yes, we do have the world map and we can roam around. But if you break it down to a technical level, it's still extremely linear. Like you can just go forward and backward. There are Mm -hmm. practically no side paths. Maybe Gongaga is optional, but this is just right on the path. Just can you choose to go in or not. It's not really exploration needed. It maybe opens up a little bit with the tiny Bronco, but also it's yes. very much uh, constricted with where you can go. You can only uh, thread light waters or uh, shallow waters. So you can, you're still very much uh, restricted. and There's not much optional thing you can go to except for Wutai and parts of Medeal, but this this is only to fight monsters and level up. That's Mm -hmm. nothing else, I think. Uh, And going back to previous locations, so it's in essence, it's still very linear. So my thinking is that we'll get maybe a Final Fantasy XII approach, the zoned approach, where there are okay. big zones, and you might also go to optional zones and can travel back or backtrack through other th- other zones and maybe fast travel. Right. And but of course it's PlayStation 4 and not PlayStation 2, so those zones will most likely be much bigger. Mm-hmm. Not sure how they will implement the tiny Bronco and the buggy if they're still there. I certainly hope so. Same. But I think the buggies. Maybe just like the Regalia in uh, the Regalia right. Type-D in mm-hmm. Final Fantasy 15, where it can just drive everywhere. Yeah. It's a m- monster truck-alike tr- through all the zones, maybe. Uh, Tiny Bronco, this could be, uh, maybe maybe they could implement so, a sort of um, zoomed-out world map kind of thing, where c- you can ride or uh, swim around, like in the original, but when you mm-hmm. uh, when you board or land on, on land, or uh, how do you call that? When you just go on land, then um, it's, it can zoom into the nearest zone and you can just roam around again. not exactly as open as the original overworld, but still close enough. And then when we come to the third, part, my predicted third part, which is after the Junon execution or at the Junon execution, the first th- first thing we get is the high wind. And high wind, we can go anywhere. So this is most likely just open world. Not exactly as the original, but probably um, most likely a, a mixture between overworld and the zone maps. Um, I hope I can get the image across. So just imagine. An overworld, like in Final Fantasy VII, the original, where the high wind can just travel around wherever. But when you land, you, ju- you don't land on this map. This is a zoomed out map, but it zooms in, or maybe a short transition, and you're in the nearest zone that it's where you landed. You could, you also couldn't land anywhere in the original. Probably the same here, most likely. And then maybe it's just in, in this zone you see the high wind in the back, but you can't actually go there. And if you go there, it just uh, zooms in or it uh, transitions you into the high wind, maybe. And yeah, that's that's around my, my prediction. You can go anywhere you want and it uh, transitions to, to the nearest zone. And it's then the same as in the previous part, part two. Mm-hmm. But you still have the freedom to go anywhere you want with the high wind. Okay, that's kind of how I picture it, and the last thing, the underwater, um, yeah, that's hard to hard to judge. Maybe, maybe we uh, we are actually sitting in the cockpit and see see the underwater from there, and just have to navigate slowly in the dark. And this will be very creepy when suddenly you see in, in the far back something blurry green. Flurry floating around, and if you get too close, it just charges at you, gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and then the battle starts. I think it's going to be quite creepy. Yeah. I think that's that's about it from my side. Do you have anything to add or other versions, other thoughts?
0: I just I I agree with everything you're saying. I. You know, we're talking about part two and forward. So um, at the time, there's going to be a generation jump, right? So we're going to have the PS5 by then. So thinking about, like you said, the underwater submarine, do you think that they're actually going to create a submarine that we're going to be able to control?
1: I'm pretty sure, yeah.
0: I think they're going to be able to do that. Yes. You know?
1: Um, maybe.
0: But I do agree with you in the other aspect you are talking about how some of the events are... Like the game original, the original game kind of disguises the fact that it's linear because you leave Midgar and then you're out in the open worlds. You have the overworld map and everything, but you can't go to everywhere on the map. You're limited to where you can go.
1: Exactly, yes. Right.
0: And you have the tiny Bronco, but it can't go everywhere. It can't go on mountains. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like you're secluded to those areas, which I think, like you said, it's quite interesting, like what you said about the regalia in uh, final fantasy 15 when you get the upgrade it can pretty much go on like any terrain it kind of it's kind of interesting when you think about it though like it's like it's like a test for this game do you know what i mean mm-hmm. just like that thinking about 15 i'm not saying it's going to be like 15 i'm Probably just not, saying yeah. like <laughs> they've worked on 15 for so long and they have like a lot of this they have a lot of the details like it's hugely open world and they did have an airship and they did have that type uh, regalia and they did have like things that are similar that are in this game. So maybe they were like testing it and putting it in that game to kind of test it for this one to
1: Possibly, see how it yeah. would work.
0: So they have that technology. I mean it wasn't created with the Unreal Engine. It's the only thing so they'd have to take that and kind of recode it.
2: but but
1: mm. well, on the other hand, uh, the regalia type F. The, the airship or quote-unquote yes. airship yes in fact, i know 15 it's, is i'm yes. pretty sure they're not going to follow that model so no i
0: just mean yeah. the whole technology oh, of like okay. being able to like fly and have verticality there because that was a huge thing where they had to get a secondary company that um mm-hmm. worked with just cause three i guess that team to come in yeah, and kind of teach Studios them how okay, to
1: yeah. just that's to right.
0: teach them how to do that because yeah. they didn't know how to do it so i think that doing that i mean i know tabata's not there anymore and everything but i think that to do that they have the experience so they could share that information and um like you said i think it's it's not going to be like that obviously because that's just like a flying car like you know it's not actually an airship airship um yeah but uh yeah like you said about the different um parts where they're open world, but it's going to be like there's story elements. They're funneling you down throughout the story. And then also you have Mm -hmm. side missions that are appearing at the same time that you can do um, in those areas. And then you can go away, you can come back, you can explore, but I don't think it's going to be like Red Dead Redemption 2 style. Probably not. Crazy open world map. I I just don't see it being like that.
1: Me neither. Me neither the big thing is also with an open world you can only cover so much because it's it will be too big otherwise
0: and exactly
1: the more um, the more open world you have like without transitions the smaller the world feels thing is mm-hmm. that, that that's also a discussion point that has been <clears throat> that has been covered over and over on social media and on forums
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, the thing is the zoned approach or the uh, also the, the the individual backgrounds of the original game and F- 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 8, 9 they feel much bigger because you only see slices of it and you, can, you only have to imagine all the rest around it and if you actually see mm-hmm. it can traverse everything then it's it's more of a parallel to the real world world. And it feels like you're just in, in a valley of sorts, nothing more. Mm-hmm. So I think this uh, a zoned approach with the art transition between areas needs to happen or else it wouldn't feel like a whole world, like a whole planet. Yeah. It's be- <clears throat> well, only when you're walking around, when you're in the, uh, in the airship, in the high winds, then of course it can zoom into another map. When, uh, where you see the whole the whole planet, that works. But when you're walking around, I think you need to have zones in order to to actually make it feel like a planet. And you don't have to go everywhere. That's, that's not the point. The point is to go through a story and to explore the areas around that story and maybe some optional mm-hmm. parts. It doesn't really do anything when you can uh, run through every every field, and into every dungeon over any mountain. It's just a lot of nothing, and it doesn't really add any substance to the game, especially Exactly. Especially Final Fantasy VII, where it's extremely story-driven and character-driven. Exactly. So that's my opinion.
0: Do you think it's just going to be... Like, there's no loading screens mm-hmm. when you go to the different zones? Or do you think it's just going to be... Like in the original, when you're in the airship, you can control the airship Mm -hmm. throughout anywhere in the map, and then you just fly there Mm -hmm. and then land. Like, do you think it's going to be like that? Or do you think it's going to be like more like Final Fantasy X, where you have your airship, but like it shows the characters, you can control the characters that are inside of the airship, but you choose your destination and then it just flies you there?
1: I hope not. <laughs> I really want to, fly and that's kind of anywhere. like they're
0: hiding the loading screen behind that, you know, because you choose your destination, but you can't actually control the airship. Well,
1: if they, I hope if,
0: not too. Yeah. I hope not too. And we're jumping a generation. It's going to yeah. be on PS Five, so hopefully they're going to yeah. be able to do more yeah. with that.
1: The thing is, if you uh, if you separate the uh, the exploration maps or exploration zones. Completely from the airship overworld, then it's then it's possible because it, it you only have to model the world from high up, that you right. see what's where and just just like in the original, just fly around. You see every everything, see everything everywhere, can go everywhere. But when you land, instead of just zooming um, down to to the point where you landed and everything stays the same, and you have Huge Godzilla cloud uh, stomping around, then it just <laughs> goes black, yeah. and you and maybe a short loading screen or not even loading screen because PS Five is supposed to have no loading time. That's what they right. they uh, advertise. Um, it goes black, fades in again, and you're just in in this zone that's supposed to be underneath where you landed. Mm-hmm. So then, as I said before, they need to map out. Um, only those areas where we can actually land. Where it mm-hmm. can't land, they they don't have to do anything. Where it can land, they need to sort of map out a zone. And if if we still keep the zones, and there are transitions between zones, as in fade out, fade in, and we see oh now we've traveled maybe another few miles, I think then uh, it should should hold up with the illusion of it being a whole world without actually having to render a whole
0: Right. Yeah, I like what you suggested. I think that it's going to be similar to that, to be honest. I hope
1: so, yeah. Um,
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's that's about it, what it's... I can
1: say about it. Anything else would be just repetition. <laughs>
0: <laughs> of course, yeah. And in the Mindgar portion of the game, like the first game... Mm-hmm. Like, how do you think that they're going to go, like, they're just going to go by train maybe to the different zones? Like, the different reactors?
1: Hard to say. (laughs) Of course, we go to two reactors. The first one, first mission, and the second mission, where they get separated. If we... I don't think we go, actually go to another reactor to bomb it, but we go to other reactors or other... um, portions of of the mm-hmm. uh, midgar or other sectors for other Sector. smaller missions um mm-hmm. i'm not sure if you have seen my uh, latest game analysis episode episode mm-hmm. 16. that's where I um lay out uh the or at least one of the of new side missions or maybe not even side missions maybe it's another mandatory mission but it feels like a side mission because it wasn't in the original where it, you're, we're only with uh, Cloud, Chesapeake, and Wedge going up mm-hmm. to the plate by bicycle. Do something in some machinery facility, maybe steal material, plants, whatever. Mm-hmm. Where we also see uh, Ifrit being used and against the Sweeper. And Then they parachute back down. So that's at least one, one mission that's uh, additional, mm-hmm. where we probably see other parts of Midgar. And I hope there are a few more of them before we go to the sector five uh, sector five reactor but maybe not too much because probably shouldn't drag out the story too much only if it's actually pertinent to character building right getting to know the is, is backstory of uh, jesse pigs mm-hmm. and wedge maybe some more avalanche more uh being the life of the people in the slums i
2: mm-hmm. think
1: all those side quests or even mandatory quests that uh, encapsulate those new stories are welcome. And I really hope they include a few of them.
0: So you don't think we'll be able to drive the Hardy Daytona around?
1: Yeah, probably not until... To, like, the different
0: sectors?
1: Um, not the Hardy Daytona, but other bike. I also assume okay. we have... The first bikes we see there, but probably either upgrade them or maybe get new bikes which are okay. faster, uh more nimble or whatever. For automations, awesome. maybe you can even uh, there's even a repeatable mini-game to go up to plate and down again to get more prizes mm-hmm. in completing it with within a time limit or uh dispatching of all, all the enemies or reaching a certain amount of points or something like that. I'd li- really love that, like a mm-hmm. consistent minigame that we can play and play over and over. That
0: sounds Which awesome. Which is also
1: integrated into the main story, but only maybe twice or three times, and the rest is optional. Mm-hmm. That would be quite, pretty neat. And finishing off with The hearty Daytona would be then a real treat at the end.
0: Right, exactly.
1: <laughs> and then having unlocking The hearty Daytona for game, uh, minigame, po- post-game stuff. Like using Hard yeah. Daytona to finish the the extremely hard missions would be pretty nice, I think.
0: I just I'm really excited. I can't wait to play it. <laughs> You're talking about all of these extra mm-hmm. things. I just hope that you know I hope they're listening idea. and they add those things
1: in. <laughs> yeah. I have been um, right in the past, so maybe. <laughs>
0: <laughs> fingers crossed. Yep. Alright guys, so we're moving on to our next segment. So we're talking about news, any info that was released about the game. So the official Final Fantasy VII Remake Twitter account uh, posted a few videos recently featuring Kataze and he was being interviewed uh, first of all about the extra depth that was added to the story and he explained that one example is uh, President Shinra is claiming that the heroes are allies of Wutai. Um, So he you know was explaining a little bit more about that and he said that after the original uh final fantasy 7 um we created the compilation project and containing several uh continuations and in crisis core final fantasy 7 we depicted the war with Wutai. uh so we worked in some of the lore from the compilation in order to make the backstory for avalanche more realistic and then he says finally this is one of the examples of how we added extra depth to the remake. So I just wanted to get your thoughts about this. So reading some things, kind of the subreddit kind of blew up with this and they were just using you know, this as kind of validation for their expectations or their thoughts that um, more of the compilation were going to be in it. So like Genesis was going to make a reappearance uh, <laughs> and these characters from uh, the compilation, so. What do you think?
1: Uh, So my opinion is that many people are jumping the gun with this, sometimes (laughs) in jest and sometimes seriously. And I think they don't really have to worry too much. As it seems so far, they try to work in lore established or um, extended in the compilation, like the war with with Wutai, which was pretty much just glossed over in the original. Um, And maybe some other parts, maybe we... We get to see or visit Modeoheim or Banora in some capacity, mm-hmm. like to maybe just all, uh, as optional side side things. But I don't right. think we will uh, see or hear much about the additional characters, right? Like all the Genesis being at, at the reactor where Sephiroth mm-hmm. lost his mind. I don't think this it will be there because Genesis isn't supposed to be around. During the right. uh, original game. During the original timeline, so to speak. Um, so him just appearing there out of nowhere. And then dis- dis- disappearing again for no reason. And just... I don't know. It, I, I can't see it happening. Same with Angel Because he doesn't really have any impact there. Maybe...
0: Right. Maybe
1: in later parts where we see more of Zack's past. And the past mm-hmm. of the Buster Sword. Maybe he... Exactly. When... Uh, Maybe Or in, a, in his kind of a backstory for Zach to see where Buster came from, that Angel was his mentor, but only maybe in one scene or two, and then it's done. It doesn't have to be mm-hmm. a super involved character or anything. On the other hand, I would welcome uh, to make Sisney um, an appearance. I'm not quite sure what happened to her. I think she just went into hiding, because she helped mm-hmm. Zach and I don't think she could have returned to Shinra. I don't quite remember everything from Crisis Core from the top of my head. So maybe people will correct me on that. Mm-hmm. It would be cool to maybe have her as a cameo somewhere.
0: Yeah, that would be cool. Yeah.
1: doesn't need to be anything more because she also hasn't any involvement in the main story. So exactly. That's the thing. So much from the compilation doesn't have much It could be cool if
0: we were like a side mission is to kind of like we're hearing about her. Yes. And then we have to go and find her and she's like the weapons upgrade person or something. I don't Maybe. know.
1: I don't know. Just just something. Do you just know something. what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Just some, some side side person that isn't uh, important to the story, but there nonetheless and brings some, something positive, something additive to the, the game necessarily Mm -hmm. story more like the
0: game I agree with what you're saying and I think that they're just taking portions from the compilation that will serve this to extend this story I don't think that they're like going to change this story to fit in other elements that don't have anything to do with
1: most likely not yeah
0: this story that they're trying to tell retell I guess
1: I already touched on this uh, when we we were talking about Elmira Aerith's foster mom um Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure they will elaborate on the Wutai there as well. Mm-hmm. So Wutai will probably be a major plot point also. Maybe not directly, but uh, indirectly, because of course we're not going to Wutai yet. But it's, no, exactly. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's it will establish Wutai as this uh, enemy force. And when we mm-hmm. finally go there, and or even meet Yuffie, who is from uh, Wutai, i pretty sure it will be very much exciting there because mm-hmm. we've been fed with the information that Wu-Tai is bad to the enemy of Shinra. On the other hand, Shinra is bad, so Wu-Tai is probably on our, our, our side, and this dynamic will most likely be very interesting.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: All right, so moving on to the next um, post- on the Twitter account, so there was also a video where Kataze was pressed for a precise explanation about how summons are used in the game. So he stated that equipping summon materials and fighting bosses are strong enemies. Uh, if certain conditions are met, what will happen is the material will resonate, and then the summon gauge will become available so you can summon. For me, I already like I already knew this. Mm-hmm. Um I knew that it was going to be fighting bosses or quote-unquote like strong enemies. Um, It does make sense that they made it this
1: way. Yeah, I think so too. Um, I've read from people who don't really like that because they like to just spam summons whenever they feel like it. Whenever they want, yeah. I think they don't really um, think think, uh, in terms of how a game is constructed, how balance is constructed, how one balances mm-hmm. the game. Because like as the, um, the summons are established now, they are kind of like party members for a certain amount of time. And we mm-hmm. can even direct them commands by using ATB. Exactly. So, for example, Ifrit has two ATB attacks, which, for example, Cloud can use one ATB charge to uh, issue a command to Ifrit, or either, I think it's, I, for, I forget, Crimson Fire and Hell whatever, just two uh, to attacks. And yeah. right now, as, as, as it stands, summons are way, way more involved. You can direct commands. They have a finishing attack once the timer runs out. And using that on normal enemies, enemies would be extremely overpowered, would be just mowing through. Of, of enemies and i don't mm-hmm. think it's going to do to bring anything additional or anything more to the table and also usually the summons are quite big
0: i was just gonna say the some same thing. parts
1: are quite narrow not not everything is open like a boss area so it's exactly also wouldn't be feasible at all for them to be there
0: well in the original version though you would like get in a um in a battle but then it would re like you go into the battle arena do you know what i'm saying like it you get a black screen and then it would load into the battle and then there's nothing around you it's just an open thing this isn't happening like the the fighting is happening in real time so like you said like how are they going to be able to summon ifrit with just normal enemies in a narrow Mm. like alleyway, like they're not going, you're not going to be able to do that. Or a catwalk. So (laughs) for that matter, exactly. So Mm. it does make sense. And I think like working up, you know, gaining that, um, gauge Mm -hmm. is going to help because it's going to make it feel more of a payoff because you've worked to get this and then you use them and then they're super powerful. And I love the fact that you can actually, um, give them commands and choose their commands for them. You know, I think that's that's awesome because they feel like they're another party member.
1: Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah.
0: Much like it was in Ten, right? Because Ten, it was similar to that. Like they it was, yeah. But the party members go away uh, in Ten, and then you only control the summon, yes. but you do command it, which was awesome. I really enjoyed that part of Ten. Yeah, me too. Yeah. So I'm I'm happy with this. Mm. I think that it's gonna be. Awesome. Yeah. Will it's they fun. change it in later games? Who knows? Mm, we don't maybe, know because maybe, the later yeah. games might be completely different from this one. The system, like the the fighting, the the battle system, and everything, they could change it. We don't know.
1: I hope not. Maybe improve on it, uh, extend it a little bit, or add to it, or uh, throw out aspects that were not well received right. or didn't really work well. But I think mm-hmm. the core will stay the same overall games because. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would feel weird when they just change the basis, the, fu- the fundamentals of of the systems. Yeah. I really hope they they keep it. Um, and
0: but... they're improving the other abilities as well of the characters, like mm-hmm. in, in your party too, to make them feel stronger. And the limit breaks too. So yeah. it's kind of like those are so epic that, you know, you don't need to summon Knights of the Round like 10 times. Not
1: really, yeah. It was also <laughs> you know? also different than the original. In the original, that's the summons were just glorified uh, magic uh, spells, yeah. so to speak. You just summon them and they attack. Done.
0: Not and then it's over. Yeah, it's
1: over. Yeah. And it's not like that here. And I'm really glad that they didn't um, implement it them the same way. Because, like just a cut scene. Yeah, they have much more significance now. And when they can only be summoned in uh, on in let's say harder battles, mini-bosses, bosses, bosses, or maybe uh, battles with uh, a bunch of enemies, not just three or four, but maybe 20 Shinra soldiers or something like that. Just Mm -hmm. significant battles. then they also gain much more significance. And those battles also uh, differentiate differentiate themselves from normal battles, which are just thrash mobs. Just uh, go through Exactly. Go through your path, uh, dispatch the obstacles, and you're done. But boss battles, mini-bosses, and and stuff like that should feel like something different. They should feel impactful. And Mm -hmm. with uh, the possibility of a summon helping you, it feels quite different. And he also also said something interesting. Uh, The material will resonate. If you look look closely in the EPS battle, or EPSU, Mm -hmm. as it's called now, um, there is, from a certain point of time, uh, from then on, there is an orb in the middle of the room forming. Yeah. And you also see that uh, I think Cloud's attacks increase the summon bar, and when it's full, you can mm-hmm. summon. And then uh, Ifrit emerges from this uh, this orb in the middle, like this portal that has had to be yeah. charged up, so to speak, and then emerges. Then emerges. And fights alongside the party, and not replacing everyone, just, and even in Final Fantasy XII, I think everyone but the summoner got replaced, I think. Uh, It's just, it's really a fourth party member. That's what I love. Same. Yeah, it's much more closer. It's just, it's more personal than just go there and kill it.
0: Do you think we're going to be able to equip more than one summon materia on a weapon?
1: I don't think so. I
0: or you think each weapon is going to be able to equip one?
1: I'm not even sure that we or... equip it even in the weapon because it's uh Oh really? Yeah. The thing is, um when you look at the UI design, it is on the same line as the weapon, but it has its own symbol on the on the right. On the left from of the uh weapon slots, right. you have a weapon symbol. Okay. On the left you have the bangle symbol for the uh the armor slots. Right but the summon slot has its own symbol so it's kind of of something of something else i think
0: I'm so you not, think like it might be embedded in the weapon
1: either either each weapon just has one separate slot or it's yeah. it's something different completely like a, a charm or something each um character has with it uh, with him or, or with them that holds oh, okay. just one summon materia because he okay. did say that each, I think it was in the TGS presentation, that each character can only equip one summon. And I think that's it. I'm not sure if, if we can summon all three. Let's say Cloud has Ifrit, Aerith has Ramu, and Tifa has Shiva. That mm-hmm. all three of them can summon all of, all of three of them at the same time? I don't think so. Yeah, I'm sure, I think it'll be one at a one, time, one at like a time, you yeah. said.
0: Yeah, but I think that you can summon Ifrit and then you can change to the next character and once Ifrit is gone, you, exactly, have, to yeah. yeah. you have to work up the next summon gauge, but you gauge, can yeah. summon the next one. Yes.
1: That's also what I think. Um, In my game analysis episode 15, where I analyzed the uh, the equipment and material screen, I also um, theorized that it might, we might be able to link a support material to the summon material that, that may be maybe not even uh, weapon based, but let's say each character has a charm where we can equip a summon material. Certain charms in uh, late, later in the game might have a second slot where we can uh, put in a support material, which also then uh, grants some bonuses like absorbing fire, for example, mm-hmm. or just uh, the elemental material is kind of acts like uh, fire elemental in the armor maybe it's it's quite hard to say because uh, it's just one screenshot which which can change over time even maybe this is also just a, a temporary position of the summoner material. maybe they change it again it's yeah it's it's hard to predict but i'm sure it's not just an, another weapon slot because the boss's sword which he also has equipped in this equipment and material screenshot has two linked slots and the Buster sword we see has only two linked slots. It doesn't show any other slot on the weapon. So that's why I think right. some material cannot be equipped into the weapon itself. It's something oh, okay. different. One, one. Th- yeah. It could be that they absorb it into their bodies like Kodaj in Advent children, but I don't oh. think so. It's probably just, yeah. Uh, uh, I much guess of, we'll uh, find even. out soon. We'll find out soon. That's true. Maybe they even <laughs> in the next showing in December. Maybe, you don't know.
0: Yeah. All right. So the next video that was posted it featured Katazi talking about Tifa's basic move set. So somebody transcribed the translation. And it said Tifa is a monk or martial artist type character. So her controls are very easy to understand. She can do normal and strong attacks with the square and triangle buttons like in a fighting game. And on top of that, using her Omni Strike ability will upgrade the triangle button strong attacks to the more powerful ability called Rise and Fall. Using it again will upgrade it further to the even better Unbridled Strength ability. So she keeps enhancing her strong attack basically over time, mm. and that makes Tifa more like an action or fighting game character. And I think that we saw this before in the Abzu boss fight video that was yep. released at TGS. Wait. They didn't go into detail about it, I don't think they actually mm, talked about it, but not you could too much. see. I... No, but I yeah. remember that I watched it, but then I can't remember. I watched a video or I read something online. Anyway, you could see that her fists. Are changing colors they do so yeah. it shows that each time she charges up it changes the colors of her fist exactly and yeah. that's kind of the signifying factor to you that she's level, like she's um she's not leveled up but like her abilities have like been charged up i guess you know what i'm saying so that she's getting more attack damage and then she can use her that ability but then when she uses it it goes down a tier Mm -hmm. i can't i can't remember if the color goes back one color or if it just goes completely and then you have to recharge it again from the beginning because that boss fight was so fast and there's a lot happening on the screen i'd have to look into it again
1: yeah i i did look at it a little bit uh when it was um when it was published Mm-hmm. But uh, I didn't have enough time to analyze every every single thing and write it down because yeah. there was so much so much else to do. But as far as I see it, as you uh, laid out before, there is an ability that charges up up her fists and also changes her triangle ability to uh, right. a stronger combo, and we see that yeah. she does a different combo with which uh, with with much more damage output. And then using it again turns her fist from yellow to red, the second tier, which then allows her to do even more damage in a different combo. I think after finishing the combo, it goes down a tier. Right. Or maybe even after a certain time. I'd have to check again, but I think there's a a bar on the triangle button that goes down slowly. But I'd have to check again. It's, It's something I really need to to do uh, soon because I plan to make uh, do a live analysis of character combat means all okay. four, and I need to to go deep into Tifa's um, Tifa's fighting style in that stream. So this is something I will do, be doing during the course of the next week, going going deep into their uh, fighting styles to be able mm-hmm. to convey this then on the live stream next Sunday, uh, Saturday.
0: Yeah, I like how this is sounding for Tifa as a character. I think that it really suits her mm-hmm. play style. So
1: I, I really, really, really like it. Especially because it really seems that each character has its distinct fighting style. Cloud, exactly. is, Cloud is the cl- close quarter uh, um, fighter with his sword mm-hmm. and has longer reach because some uh, horizontal slices can hit multiple enemies if they're close enough. Right. And he also also has a h- quite high damage output. Barrett has a less damage output but can hit enemies from afar and is therefore safe or even the only one who can hit the enemies in flying enemies. Flying enemies exactly, yeah. That's
0: true. I mean Cloud can can cloud attack flying and I'm pretty sure uh, that he jumps in the air, right? If but if you don't jump.
1: Reach, if there are in reach, don't jump, but if there are in reach, Cloud jumps automatically up up right. the, the enemies and then performs a, a special air combo like maybe three okay. or four hits i think yeah but if there are even more uh, above like the uh, the century race which um sit on a pedestal or something like that yeah then only uh, Barrett is able to reach those and they won't come come down anytime soon because they're stationary so Barrett is the only one being able to hit them Of course, you could use magic, but that costs MP. So we have to balance. And MP is much more scarce than in the original. Yeah. So we'd have to...
0: And you're trying to level up, like you're trying to gain up your limit break bar as well, because you want that to be like your strong attack, you know? And especially too, when they have, they can be staggered, Mm -hmm. kind of like in 13. Yep. So it's like you're attacking using magic that they're weak to to kind of fill up the stagger bar and then you're using your regular Going attacks to and then when there's yeah and then when they you, they get mm-hmm. staggered then for me like I would re, like re, um unleash all of their limit breaks on
1: it. Yeah, limit breaks. Uh, uh magic and that's they weak against mm-hmm. and maybe even try to summon if it's a boss battle, summon a yeah. uh, summon if shiva, whatever. Wait until Mm -hmm. they're staggered, and then unleash the uh, the finishing attack.
2: And
0: a summon too—that it's Mm -hmm. like that has an element that it's weak to. You know, I love this. I love the strategy that's Mm -hmm. that's coming out. That I'm kind of picturing in my head. You know, that's coming from this. Even more strategic and Aerith as well. um, Her as just an exclusively ranged character. Mm -hmm. I think that's what she's going to be. Yes, because it looks like she's attacking. With light orbs, Mm -hmm. like magic, kind of, that are coming out of her staff. She's not just, like, physically attacking with her staff.
1: Might be even interesting uh, to see if she attacks with magic, as in using her magic uh, parameters or magic stats for damage instead of uh, physical. Mm. um, It might be still physical.
0: Remember, what is that ability that they had in 13 where you attack, but it looks like it's magic, but it's... Yeah, you're right. That's what it is. It's ruin. So I'm thinking that it's probably going to be like ruin where you attack, but it uses your physical stat and not your Mm. magic stat. But I guess we'll find out. But it looks like she's going to be more like, you know, the usual, like buffing everybody and healing people and staying back a little bit from Mm. battle. And so... Awesome. And then also, um, I don't know, I was looking online. I just wanted to kind of talk to you about this as well. Somebody said online, I can't remember who it was, but apparently there's speculation that November 27th, we're going to get some news. I don't know why specifically that date. Maybe. I don't know if you heard anything about this.
1: I should have pulled this up, but um, I think it was the 28th when the Famitsu interview or Famitsu article will go Alive, and then this something on the twenty seventh right was, w- uh was wasn't it that this this collaboration with this uh this fan store this any anima anime I don't remember what it's called some collaboration with uh with the merchandise um chain oh okay I think some something like that is is going on I just knew about the yeah.
0: Femitsu issue that was coming out that was featuring the remake so people were kind of speculating that we might get more information there but honestly i i think we're just going to get a rehash of everything that we already know but it's just going to be in print and probably we might get some new screenshots but i think that's even that's even pushing it at this point
1: if new screenshots then probably screenshots from footage we've already seen Maybe not yeah. exactly from the footage, but from a few seconds before or after, which we already got in the past. Like with Tifas uh leaning on the bar and, and looking into the camera, this is this was not in the trailers, but this is the same scene or right. similar scene. Yeah, I think something like that will happen. A few new screenshots, but not really re- revealing something. Because as I said in the last episode of this podcast, right. that they possibly could reveal something new, new trailer, new information at the Game Awards this year. Yeah. Maybe Jump Fester, but the two Japanese uh, conventions in a row, I mm-hmm. don't think so. None, yeah. I don't remember any other convention going on in December. PSX is still not happening, so yeah.
0: Yeah. We did. We talked about this in the last yes. episode about when we might spec we were speculating about when we might get more information about the game. And we both kind of came to the conclusion that it's going in a like a three month cycle. Mm-hmm.
2: Exactly.
0: So that would bring us to December before we get anything. But a lot of people are excited to hopefully get a Nanaki reveal. And then hopefully, some people yeah. were talking about how they're kind of disappointed and they think like we're he's not going to be in this game. So, we're still holding out hope, obviously, um that he's going to be in the game
1: he is um, More certainly think... is because he's part of the story there but yeah, it's... exactly yeah.
0: But... exactly, and I think like he's going to be revealed, but they're really waiting for that perfect moment to kind of reveal that
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so probably, and also i' kind of I'm kind of afraid that he won't be an actual playable. Character and want to level up because he's, okay. he's revealed so late in the story, and I don't think they should add so many more chunks of story after we mm. get to get to know him or get or get him into the party. Because after we get him, there's only the, the escape, nothing else. Right. So that's probably why he most likely will be a an NPC, maybe a guest character in in a few battles, a few boss battles, not controllable but still in the game, because he has to, unless they change everything. But I, I certainly doubt doubt it. They could, of course, include this uh, cut um, sequence of ev- events or cut concept with, uh, how they're called, Cobalt 14 and Indigo 15, two more clones from Nanaki um, mm-hmm. in blue and in purple, yeah, which we'll also see then later in the game as well. But I'm not sure if they will include that, because. Because the 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 arc will be, will not be resolved or it it won't go exactly. anywhere in this game and starting an maybe arc, in part two yeah maybe, maybe but starting something here in part one which doesn't go anywhere it's, it's uh hard to get right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah,
0: I think we'll find out soon. Hmm. I can't wait for this game. I'm so excited.
1: <laughs> Me too. <laughs>
0: It's not that much longer and people keep posting um, countdowns for the game. So 100 days,
1: including today.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Mm -hmm. All right, guys. So that concludes our second episode of The Reunion, a Final Fantasy VII Remake podcast. I'm your host, Kairosis. I just wanted to say a huge thank you to Viz for joining us today again on the podcast and, you know, uh, fitting us into your super busy schedule with all your analysis videos and your Mm -hmm. Twitch streams and everything. You're doing amazing. So just want to say keep up the good work with that.
1: Thank you. I will.
0: All right, guys. So... If you guys have any ideas um, for our next episode topics or you have any questions for us, please feel free to go ahead and write them into the podcast. And you can reach us at Podcast at gmail.com. Also, we do have a Twitter account. We're just gradually getting everything set up again. So our Twitter handle is at reunion underscore podcast. And obviously, we do have a Discord channel as well. Uh, The Reunion Podcast, and uh, you can check us out on YouTube, which it's also called The Reunion uh, Podcast, and we'll be uploading the episode there uh, going forward so you can listen to it there. And obviously, you can find us anywhere you listen to your podcasts. So we are on Apple Podcast app, uh, Google Play Store, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, uh, Player.fm, CastBox. We are literally everywhere (laughs) so uh just um look us up in your search of your um, most used podcast app and you'll be able to find us there so just want to say thank you so much guys for joining us today and uh hope you guys have a great two weeks all right bye
1: Mm. stay safe and take care bye guys